WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. WBUR Senior Health and Science Reporter Gabriella Emanuel, thank you so much for coming through. Hey, it's good to be here. Yes, indeed. So, Gabriella, it's been almost a month since we talked to you about the state family shelter system. Governor Maura Healey had just announced a cap on the number of families the state would guarantee shelter for. And that number is 7,500. Now, last week, the state hit that cap. Now, before we go any further, I want to mention that we are recording this on Tuesday afternoon, November 14th. And things are changing fast. So, Gabriella, having said all of that, now that the state has hit that limit of 7,500, what happens now? Right. So the state says it is running out of money, space, shelter providers, and so it is implementing this cap, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now that we've kind of officially hit this self-imposed limit, families will be waitlisted and they can only enter shelter when another family leaves their room and it becomes vacated and available. There are a couple important things to know about how this wait list is working. First, there will be kind of a prioritization effort to make sure those who need it the most will be getting shelter the quickest. And second, we also know that as of right now, there's no designated overflow site for waitlisted families to wait in a safe place. So The state has said that family welcome centers will be providing hot food and certain necessities like diapers, but they will not be providing a place for these families to stay. All right. So on this wait list, families are prioritized by health and safety concerns. Can you give us more details on what they're considering? Yes. So there are a couple different tiers to this prioritization, and there will be kind of a survey questionnaire that families will fill out once they're deemed eligible for shelter, and then they can go to almost a clinical assessment. So first in that first tier of priority is those who are fleeing domestic violence and kind of an immediate risk. There are also certain health concerns that would bump you up to that top prioritization. These are things like a high-risk pregnancy, having a very young infant under the age of three months, things like that. And then you'll move down the prioritization uh, if you need refrigerated medication or if you are relying on um, a device that needs to be plugged in. Those are medical conditions that would also bump you up, but not quite as much. And I should say, even if you are in of one of these prioritized categories, doesn't guarantee a room. You still have to wait for a room to be vacated. Okay. And like we said, it's Tuesday afternoon. Gabriella, as of right now, do you know how many families are on the wait list? So I can tell you the latest figures I have from the state, which are Monday midday, there were 22 families on the wait list, which started on Friday. It's closed over the weekend. So I've been pestering state officials to try and make wait list numbers uh, easily and publicly available. So far, that's not happened. And I've been told there's no plans to make the wait list numbers updated on the shelter dashboard that they do keep updated. So we can request it, but it's hard to get the daily figures if you're just a member of the general public. 
Wow. Well, I guess if there's no place for them to stay, what are families supposed to do? That is the big question. We don't have a clear answer to that right now. The state has not set up an overflow space. They have said, state officials, all the way up to Governor Moore Healy has said she would like the federal government to set up something like that. She has said a lot of the reason we are hitting capacity is because of new arrivals, migrants coming into the state. She says this is a federal issue that we haven't dealt with immigration. So she'd like the Mm -hmm. federal government to set it up. There's a fund that the governor announced $5 million to help community groups set up some overflow sites. But all of this is still theoretical. It's in process. It has not come to fruition. There's no place to stay on the ground right now. Mm-hmm. Understood. Now, Gabriella, have you talked to any families or caseworkers dealing with this wait list? I spoke with Donna Mitria, who is the triage team manager at La Collaborativa, which is a nonprofit in Chelsea. She told me that last week was the first time they really had nowhere to send a family. There was one particular family she told me about. This is a family of four. They're asylum seekers. And they had been sleeping at Logan Airport. And They were going to have to split up among different private shelters because the state system wasn't an option. And I asked Mitria kind of how this family was feeling. They were just completely drained. They didn't want any sort of dinner. Like the mom, she kept telling us, se nos quito el hambre, which means like my hunger was taken from me because of the stress. So this family did end up staying together in a church um, for the weekend. But what this week will bring is entirely unclear. One thing I'm wondering about all of this, Gabriella, is these families are coming here looking for shelter and you don't have an overflow space. I'm wondering what does the policing of that look like for these families? Are we risking you know, potential law enforcement issues. So there is a team, um, State Trooper F, at Logan Airport. And my understanding is that they've been working with a lot of families that have shown up in Massachusetts and that they've been actually very helpful towards them, Mm -hmm. helping them get food and transition onto these family welcome centers where you can get some of those basic necessities, helping them get to a spot where they can apply for shelter, get on that wait list. My understanding is that many people, especially longtime residents in Massachusetts who are turning to the shelter system, will either be doubling up with um, friends or relatives, whatever is available. They'll be turning to churches. They'll be turning to their car One concern has been whether DCF or, you know, Child Protective Services could get involved simply because the family has nowhere to go. But so far, that has not been realized. I have not heard any reports of that happening. It's just been Mm -hmm. a concern among advocates that poverty is not supposed to be a reason that you have your children taken away from you. But if you have nowhere safe to stay, they worry the system could get involved. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. 
But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. Did you kill Marlene Johnson? I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked. From WBUR and ZSP Media, this is Beyond All Repair, a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything. Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case. No, it's a botched case. And a search for the truth, once and for all. Wow, it just gets more interesting. Beyond All Repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway. Dig. And we're back with more from Gabriella Emanuel. What are state lawmakers doing about this? So months ago, Governor Moore Healy requested supplemental funding to support the state's family shelter system. $250 million is what she asked for. They have just begun to work on actually um, moving that forward. Things are in process right now as we speak. So we don't have a full answer. Wednesday before midnight, which is when the formal session ends, we should know whether additional funding has been allocated to the program. However, even if she gets the $250 million she's requested, I will say that there's a general understanding that that is not going to be sufficient. And going forward, additional funds will be requested. And it's not clear that, you know, this would even equal opening up the shelter system or removing that cap. Mm-hmm. The the one other thing I should mention about the budget is the House version has some strings attached to that money, and they want to see the governor set up an overflow site within 30 days. So if the House version becomes law, then the state might be compelled to find an overflow site. Mm, okay. I want to take a step back outside of Massachusetts Because I understand you've been looking at two cities in similar situations to see how they're handling the shortage of shelter for families. And those cities are New York and Chicago. What did you learn when you looked at those places? So if you look at New York City, which is the other pace with um, a legally established right to shelter, and it's also seeing a large number of new arrivals, many coming from Venezuela, There, the mayor has told families that they can only stay in shelter for 60 days. And after that, they have to leave shelter and reapply. Now, advocates have pushed back, saying that's incredibly disruptive to the children, to their schooling, to um, Mm -hmm. their family lives. But that has been their solution because they are really hitting capacity. They have many more people there than Massachusetts does. In Chicago, the shelter system is absolutely full and thousands of people, particularly migrants, are actually sleeping in police stations and outside in tents. I spoke with Sam Paler-Poinsay, who is from the Chicago Coalition for the Homeless. 
at a typical police station, it looks like tents up and down the sidewalk, uh, requiring someone to enter the street to walk around it. it it's very, very crowded, um, which is uh, completely upending the homeless services system. And the stories from Chicago, I'll say, are are really heart-wrenching. There was one volunteer who described a woman um, having a miscarriage at a police station. So I think mm. in many places you look around the country, there is this search for answers and search for how do you support people who need housing at this moment. Man, that's, you know, the, the story you just mentioned out of Chicago. That's, that's heartbreaking. Yeah, it really is. So, Gabriella, it's November. It's getting cold. Can you describe the urgency that officials are moving with to find a solution for this issue? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that almost every homeless advocate I talk to mentions, that the winter is coming. It's almost here. I mean, it's very cold. And this is no time to have families outside sleeping in cars, sleeping in unheated basements. Yeah. And I think that is adding a lot of pressure to the situation. It's really a challenge given the weather. What are you looking out for moving forward? Yeah, so I think the two big questions at this point is where are families going to stay? What are they going to do in order to stay on that wait list until they can get a room? The other big question to me is the funding, whether it's going to pass, you know, right now in the next day or two, or um, do we have to wait to January for lawmakers to come back and figure out the situation? Gabriella, as always, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for coming through to The Common. Thank you. That's WBUR senior health and science reporter Gabriela Emanuel. And that's our show for today. Thank you so much for listening to The Common. If you like what you're hearing, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts, especially Apple or Spotify. Rate and review us. Let us know how you're liking the show. We'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, please hit us up on Instagram at WBURTheCommon or send us an email at thecommon at WBUR.org. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and I will talk to you tomorrow.